Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Amen. Well, here we are, week two of This Is Us. Last week, we began this brand new series. And last week, I, uh, I, I shared with you that with churches, the older they get, sometimes the worse it gets. And now that we're 11 years into it here at DCC, I've recognized that, that we too, if, not, if we're not careful, we too could be at risk of becoming that old church that nobody wants to go to. And so in a proactive way, I, I wanted to address that and just say, hey, let's, let's go back to our foundation of who we once were, was. Um, Jesus wrote a letter, and we covered this last week in, in Revelation. He wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus, and he, and he said these words to them. He said, you, you've done so many things right, but here's where you drop the ball. He said, you don't love me, and you don't love each other like you used to. And I just thought, man, what a great reminder for us as a church, as a, as a body of believers, as a church family, to be reminded to love God and to love each other like we once did. And so last week, we went back to the foundation of our church, even something that I taught a core group of, of, of believers when we were just small in number. We started off with 15 of us, eight of them related to me. And so when we started, um, we, we started with, with this concept of we are going to be a life-giving church. We are going to eat from the tree of life, and we're going to shun the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because in the tree of life, the fruit is mercy and grace and forgiveness. But in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the fruit of that tree, it's, it's bitterness, it's anger, it's blame, it's shame. And, and the older a church gets, the more it gravitates towards that tree and partakes of that fruit. And so I told you, we don't want to be that church. That's not who we want to be. I don't know how long it takes for a church to get there, but, but I'll make this promise to you. I'll preach that message annually if we have to, just to keep our hearts pure, to understand that we are to be a life-giving church. And I told you, be careful what you eat. Be careful which fruit that you, which tree you eat from, the, the fruit that you partake of. And I gave you permission last week, as I did that, that early group of believers that was meeting with us. I, I gave them permission way back then if someone is being critical and they're not handling something the right way, then you go to them and, and tell them, get in the right tree. Start eating from the tree of life. And, uh, and so last week, we kind of released you and released each other to be very open and honest about that. Uh, a few months ago, after church on a Sunday, um, you, you have to understand, after church on a Sunday, I'm usually spent. You know, man, after, after I've preached two services, I'm, I'm pretty much just a zombie mentally. And so the family can say, you know, let's go eat anywhere and I'll go. They can say, let's go down to the, to the garbage can down the street and that's, that's where I'll go eat, you know, because I'm just like, you know, my mind's done. And so they, everyone wanted to go to the Olive Garden. And there were about eight people in our party. And so we went to the Olive Garden, the new Olive Garden in Gainesville. And, and we, we sat down, and, and I think Mandy may have went up and, and, and told the hostess, there's eight in our party, and she said, well, it's going to take us a little while, and we understood that. Eight is a, is a large group, especially on a Sunday. And, and, and so we, we sat down, and, and soon the entire lobby area cleared out. There was, there was hardly anybody there, and, and it seemed to be that way for a while. 
And I don't know how she noticed this. I don't know what, what set her off to, to look this direction or, or what, but Mandy looks around the corner and she sees something that is alarming. And so she goes back towards the restroom area. And when Mandy comes back, she fills us in on what's happening. And there was a large group of, of, of tables that was put together. And there was a large group sitting there. And if you know that Olive Garden, there is a takeout door on the side. And so they were calling friends and they were coming in that side door and they were just going and pulling up more tables without even telling the hostess. And they're just adding to their table while we are sitting in there for over an hour, over an hour waiting. Surprisingly, I was real chill on this. <laughs> but I'm telling you, Sunday afternoons, that's my moment. I just, I don't think I can pr process things, you know. But Mandy is livid. She is like, I can't believe they're doing this to us, you know. And, and, um, and, and so after it was brought to the attention of, of the hostess and stuff, soon we got our table and we were able to sit down. I think it was like hour and 15, hour and 20 minute wait. It was horrible. And, and I don't blame the customers for that. I blame the restaurant. I really do, um, especially after the waiters and, and after they knew it was going on. It was, it's a tough, tough situation, but you've still got to stand firm because you've got people who have put their name in waiting on a table, right? You get that. But I don't blame the customers because when you go to a restaurant with a large group of people, you know what you don't want to do is spread out all over the restaurant. There's no community there. It's, it, it doesn't work that way. You, you, you want tables pushed together. Uh, it doesn't matter if, if it's from here to guest services. It, if you want to sit together at a restaurant, you may not even be able to have conversation from one end of the table to the other. But just to be able to see them is satisfying, right? Just to be able to, to lock your eyes on them and to say, hey, you're at my table and, and we're having lunch together. It makes a huge difference. You know, the table is an amazing place. It really is. You know, it's at the table where you can get to know somebody over a meal. It, it's at the table where intimate conversation can take place. It, it's at the table where the young are spoon-fed. It's at the table where the, the older generation... They're able to give guidance and direction. It's at the table where uncomfortable conversations can take place. They need to take place. It's where you can work out some problems. And you may get up from that table not necessarily seeing eye to eye, but you can understand each other a little bit better. And what I have realized through the years is that the local church, it is the table for the kingdom of God. God uses the local church as the table, the place where we consume together, where we are spiritually fed, where we have communion with one another. Because it's, it's, it's at the table, the church, where you get to know each other. It's at the table where there are intimate conversations. It's at the church where you have intimate conversations. It's, it's at the church where the young in Christ are spoon-fed and the older generation can give guidance and direction. It's the way God designed it. 
You see, it's at the table where you can have uncomfortable conversations with other church members. It's not fun. It's uncomfortable. But it's necessary. Some of you have heard this story before, but man, it begs to be told today. When Mandy and I were dating, I remember we had just started dating and her family invited me over for dinner at their house and we're all sitting at the, at the dining room table. And my father-in-law, he was, he was sitting here and my mother-in-law was, was there, my brother-in-law was there, my future in-laws, they were there and then, and then Mandy was here and I was here. And we're having conversation and I, I remember my father-in-law saying, yeah, I, I, I've known who Rocky is for a few years, a couple of years. And, and what you have to realize is that I had been on the road. I was a drummer and I had been on the road with a band, a Christian band, and, and had just recently come off the road from touring. And so I'm thinking to myself, oh, he's heard of me. <laughs> Nobody ever heard of us. You could hear us in concert and the next day you forgot about us, you know, but, but I'm thinking this is it. This is that moment in the spotlight. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 19 years old. I'm thinking he, he, he knows me from the band. Unfortunately, that is not where he knew me from. And he begins to, to tell his story. Now, now, before I tell you what, what he would tell you, let me tell you what happened just a couple of years earlier. A couple of years earlier, I was at what is now Gateway College, but then it was called Lake City Community College. And, and I was sitting in the gym. I was on the second row. Nobody's in front of me, and it's halftime and, uh, of a basketball game. And, and the dancers come out from Lake City Community College. The dancers come out, and, and they're, they're, some of you are remembering the story, and you're like, oh, you know. Just listen. Stay with me. And there were these two girls. They were twins. I don't know who listens to our podcast, so I'm going to remain from saying their, their, uh, from saying their names because I don't, I don't have a clue who they are or who they're married to these days. But there's these twins that they were identical, and they're dancing. And me and my friends are just sitting there, and, and this one girl, you know, I'm sitting on the second row. Nobody's in front of me, and she's right there. Beautiful girl. She's right there. And right in the middle of her routine, I, like, hit my friends. I'm like, watch this. And I leaned forward, and she's dancing right here. And I said, I want you to be the mother of my children. <laughs> I high-five my buds, all that stuff. She smiles, she kind of giggles, they run off the court and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Fast forward two years later, my father-in-law says, that's not where I know him from. Let me tell you how I know him. Two years ago at a Lake City Community College basketball game, I was sitting two rows behind him when he looked at a girl that was dancing and said, I want you to be the mother of my children. And it was one of the most uncomfortable moments for me sitting right here because I wanted to jump under the table. Mandy's sitting here and I'm going, what? What is this? This is crazy. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. When you are part of a church family, there are uncomfortable conversations that take place around the table. It's not always fun. I remember there was a time in our, in our church that I, uh, Mandy and I, when, when new families would come to our church, within a week or, or two weeks, we would try our best to take them out to lunch the next Sunday or, or sometime soon. 
It was, a, it was a, a, an early tool that we used to connect with people because you connect over food. And so it was, it, was, it was a tool that we used. And as the church began to grow, it became expensive. And it, was, it just wasn't feasible for us to do that much longer. But, but church, I'm telling you, I miss those days. I do. I miss those days. I know our, our, our table has just gotten longer. That's all it is. I, I can see you. And it does my heart good to be able to sit at the same table and stuff. And I know that but we can't have meals with just anybody. But, but here's what God started doing. He started bringing in staff members. And he started raising up leaders in our church. Now we get to connect on many, many levels. If you want to connect in our church, you just put forth a little bit of effort. I promise you, you'll connect. You will. One of the things that we are always graded high on around this church is how hospitable we are, how friendly we are. It's very intentional. We've wanted to be that. We've wanted to connect around the table, the table of the local church and build a family. And you are, you're my church family. I love you. You might be sitting at the end of the table and all I can do is wave at you sometimes, but it does my heart good just to know you're sitting there. I want to turn to Matthew. I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 9. Jesus had such a way of connecting at the table with people. And today I want us to look at that. Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 9 through 13 this morning. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 13. I'm sorry, verse 9. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. It reads, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a, of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. When Mandy and I were first married, we bought a, a dining room set from a little local store in Lake City. And uh, it was just a, a round table. It was made out of, out of like particle board and laminate. It's not a nice table. It was not a solid wood table by any means. It was just this little round table. It had four chairs and it had this, this little um, china cabinet that Mandy would put the china in. The, the china in the china cabinet was worth a whole lot more than the actual table and chairs. And, and that served us for, for a few years. It, it was great. And then, and then we had kids. And uh, as long as they were small, it, it worked. We could, we could fit there. She would, it, you, she would sit on one side of the table and feed Kendall or Caleb. And I would sit on the other side and feed the other. But as we grew older in our family and the kids began to grow up, I've noticed that we've changed table sizes a few times. We've even changed house sizes numerous times. 
We needed more space for, for us as we were growing. Me, I was growing out. Kids were growing up. It's true. I put on 50 pounds during the first five years of our marriage, average gaining 10 pounds a year for five years. I was 170 pounds when we got married. As the family grew, the table grew. Same thing happened with our church. If you were there, if you were there in the beginning when we were, when we were meeting across the street in, in the student center, if you were there, I just want you to stand. I just want to see who I'm talking to right now. Wow. Wow. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank, thanks for sticking it out. Good Lord. <laughs> 11 years later and you're still here? This is crazy. I don't even like listening to me talk that much. We, we remodeled that little sanctuary. It had old pews, green carpet, wood pews, and, and we remodeled it the best that we could, put down some new carpet, painted the walls. And we took out all of the pews, and there was a church down in Deland that a friend of mine was pastoring as a larger church, and he had some extra church chairs, some of the nice padded chairs. You'll see some of them floating around there in our children's ministry, uh, the burgundy chairs. And, and so he gave us 100 chairs. And so for our first service, we had 100 chairs in that little sanctuary. That's it, just 100 chairs. And 101 people showed up. Now, some of them were children, so they were down in children's church. But we were pretty packed. And so I knew immediately we need a few more chairs. We've got to have more chairs. So I called him, and I said, how many more chairs could, could you, you know, release? And I said, I don't want you to give them to us. We want to buy them from you. No, Rocky, I'll give you 30 more chairs. We can, we can spare to give you 30 more chairs. I said, no, 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 no. We need to make an investment. So the second Sunday, I took up an offering for more chairs. And we raised somewhere around $500. So I went down to the land. I got a ticket on the way, by the way, um, and I've never been reimbursed by the church. So, uh, but I got a t uh, I, I, we went down with the trailer. I picked up the, the chairs, and um, so now we had 130 chairs. Our investment was $500. It, 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 if you were to buy these chairs new, they would be somewhere around five grand, five thousand dollars, and we we had them for $500. We were just making the table a little bit bigger. That's all we were doing, just enlarging the table a little bit. And then two years into it, we decided we'd come into this room. We only would set up chairs to that gray line that goes across the middle of this room. That's how far back we would set up the chairs, just making it bigger. Now we could all be back under one roof at the same time together because we were doing two services over there. Now we were all together once again. And then as the, as the church continued to grow and, and more chairs were being put out, then we realized we were overcrowded. And, and now we had to enlarge the table once again. We needed to trade in our table and get a bigger one. So we had to go to two services again. And that's what we do today. Still at two services, just growing the table. I, I remember that I was so concerned with moving here that... that our church was just going to be a white church. I had been in North Florida most of my life growing up, and I was so concerned that we were just going to be white. Understand that the first church that I was on staff at was, was in Live Oak, 
And in Live Oak, it was an all-white church. I was there for two years as their youth pastor. It was an all-white church. We had one black man that would show up sometimes, and he brought a tambourine with him. And, and some of the, the, the old white people in the church didn't like him playing his tambourine, so I think they ran him off. Then God moves my family to Tampa, and we're in Tampa, and, and it's a larger church. And, and the culture was so different in our church, and here's, here's what it looked like. It was, it was 40% white, 30% black, 30% Hispanic. And I thought for a moment, this is what heaven's going to look like. And then I realized the Chinese will be there too. And so I had to figure all that into my theology. But, but anyway, it was, it was a great mix in the church, you know. It was, it was phenomenal. And we're moving here, and my biggest fear, I, I'm telling you, my biggest fear was not whether or not we were going to make it as a church. That was a fear, but my biggest fear was this. I don't want to just make it as a church if we're just going to be a white church. Because white people have no rhythm. <laughs> and I'm a drummer. That is not the reason why. I wanted my children to continue to experience church the way we had been experiencing it in Tampa. And it was a huge concern of mine. And so I was praying. This was during the first year of our church, and I was praying, and I said, God, I want to see more black families in our church. I do. I really want to see more black families in our church. And God spoke to me so clearly, and he said these words. Then if you want black families in your church, then you've got to put some trust in some black leadership. I said, okay, God, I'm hearing you. This is who I want you to invite to the table, Rocky. If this is what you want, then you need to invite these people to the table. And so I approached two black gentlemen that were in our church. And I was very honest with them. I said, listen, first of all, I wouldn't be asking you this if you didn't have a business mind, an entrepreneur spirit. I wouldn't be asking you this. So that's the first thing that qualifies you. The second thing is you're black. And I said, I feel like we need that. And both of those men accepted that challenge, man. I was so thankful that they did because that's a tough conversation to have. The first man I asked, he was... The late James Watson, his widow, is here. Sister Juanita, I, I love serving with Brother James, man. He was a great man of God. I loved him. The other one was a, a young black man in our church by the name of Mark Allen. Mark, will you join me at the table? Very intentional. One of the things we were very intentional with is that who would we be inviting to the table? It was a question you have to ask. Who are we inviting to the table to have church with us, to be a part of our church family? Understand this. I was raised Pentecostal. I am a licensed minister with a Pentecostal denomination, and most of my friends call me Babdecostal. It's all right. I wear it, man. It's fine with me. It's good. And so I knew that we could not promote this church as anything other than being a Christian church. I was not going to get caught up in just Pentecostalism. That, that, that's just, that, that's, it's not. It's not what this is about. God was doing something different with this church. 
And so they started showing up. The Baptists started coming. Who comes from a Baptist background? Will you come sit at my table? Such a gentleman. (laughs) The Catholics started showing up. Anybody from a Catholic background? Can I have just one of you? Either one of you? She's like, you go. He's like, no, you go. (laughs) Oh, this is perfect. Presbyterians. Any Presbyterians? Will you join us at my at my table here? I did not know that. Methodists. I'm I'm out of room, but you can come stand by the table if you want to. (laughs) Let me show you what we started doing as the church grew. You two guys will stand up on each side. were divorced you could come sit at our table because there were some churches that said you couldn't and so if you were divorced you could if you were single you could come sit at our table if if you were married but yet your marriage was in trouble you could come sit at our table and we just kept expanding the table you know, when we moved into this middle school, there, there was someone that, that looked at me and said, the church is getting too big. I, I've got to go find another church. That is some of the most selfish theology I've ever heard in my life. It has absolutely nothing to do with the call of, of Christ on our lives in the Great Commission. We should want the church to explode. Because there are people that are facing a real hell. There are people that if life doesn't change, if, if their belief does not change that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if they don't call on His name to be saved, they are going to die and go to hell. And we get stuck sometimes that the church is getting too big for my comfort. 
The table gets uncomfortable sometimes. It's not easy. These are tough conversations that have to happen. But, but let me show you what, what starts happening sometimes because, because people start here, and, and if you're not careful, you'll start pushing away from the table. Somebody offended you, so you push away from the table. Or, I don't like the direction that it's going, and, and you push away even more. It's tough enough when a, an older generation dies off and there's no one else sitting at the table because eventually that church just dies. But this is my family right here. This is where we process it and we work through it. The table is where we celebrate together. It is where we mourn together. It is where we process it and work through it together. And it's time that, that we as a church, that we really start looking at it and we start thinking to ourselves, I'm building a heritage for my home, a legacy that lasts way longer than, than I will. You see, I'm not building Destiny Community Church necessarily just for me. I enjoy it. But as God adds to this church daily, those who are being saved, those of us that said, this is what we are living for. This is what we want to accomplish. The reason why we're doing it is not just for this generation. It's for generations to come because I want my children to enjoy church the way I enjoy church. I want them pulling up to the table. I'm wanting them to experience this the way that I've experienced it. And a church has to ask themselves, who's invited to the table? There's this, this TV show, and I'm running out of time, but you guys just, just enjoy, man. You're looking at my better side, so just enjoy. <laughs> Pray that the Spirit of God doesn't hit me and I start twerking. That's when it gets really awkward. <laughs> There's this TV show that I do not suggest you watching at all, at all. It's called Big Brother. Don't, don't show your ignorance and say that you like this show, okay? Big Brother, though, it's interesting because as people are, are voted out or evicted from the show, they start with this big table, and the table continues to shrink through the whole show. After people are evicted, they'll come in from the backyard, and all of a sudden their table is smaller. And they're like, oh, our table's smaller. Yes, we've made it. We've made it to the final A. We've made it to the final four. You know, and the table... Guys, that's not the goal of the kingdom of God. We're not wanting the table to shrink. We're wanting the table to grow. Let it keep growing. Here's the goal of today. This is it. Ready? Two points. This is it. Keep the table growing and stop pushing away from the table. That's where maturity in Christ comes in. You're not going to like everything that I do. I'm not going to like everything that you do. But let me tell you, if you really want to get to the bottom of something, invite somebody to lunch. Invite them to go to dinner with you. Go sit at a table. Invite them over to your house and have some conversation. Because the more and more you push away from the table, the less and less we are like Christ. Because Christ loves sitting at the table. Some scholars have said it like this. They said that, that Jesus ate his way through the Gospels. And you start looking at it, he did, man. The guy liked to eat. It's a good thing that his ministry only lasted three and a half years. Because, you know, <laughs> 10 pounds a year for the first five years, you know. 
Jesus loved to eat, and he loved to eat with sinners. He loved to eat with sinners. That's my favorite group. I love that we are a smorgasbord of believers around here. We've got Catholics and Baptists and Presbyterians and Methodists. And I love that we have racial diversity around here. I love that. But man, you want to know what I really love? When the sinners come. And man, we get to see people saved almost weekly around here. That's what I really love. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Invite them to the table and say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because it's life-changing. And then, and then Jesus, Jesus said these words in Revelation 3 and 20. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus is walking into their house when they invite. And he says, listen, by the way, we're having dinner together. If you'll just open the door... We're going to sit down and we're going to eat together. And it was the very thing that got him crucified. Because they didn't like that he would eat with sinners and tax collectors. Let me tell you something. There's some of you that are here today and, and you just simply haven't accepted the invitation yet to sit at the table with Christ and eat. And Jesus is calling you. He is standing at your heart's door. He's knocking right now. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.